Well, good evening. It's good to see you back tonight for the evening service. Stand with me if you would. Turn to page 298. Page 298. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Let's sing all three verses as we begin tonight. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I am telling. He made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Born of the Spirit with life from above into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love. Oh, what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made when as a sinner I came. Took of the offer of grace he did proffer. He saved me. Oh, praise his dear name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Now I've a hope that will surely endure after the passing of time. I have a future in heaven for sure, holiness mentioned sublime. And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believe. Riches eternal and blessings supernal from his precious hand I receive. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Amen. What a blessing. Sure thankful for salvation tonight. Amen. Well, it's sure good to be back in the Lord's house uh, tonight. And uh, what a great group uh, here. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God's blessing on our services uh, tonight. Brother Gary uh, Waters, would you pray for us tonight? Amen.
Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Uh, just do have uh, some announcements and things I wanted to uh, mention very, very quickly. Uh, of course, uh, this coming uh, week we will be at uh, Heartland Baptist Bible College there in Oklahoma City at the Church Planners uh, Conference. And so this coming Wednesday night, just be our regular services. And Brother Tim uh, Quinlan is going to be preaching uh, in our uh, main service here uh, in the uh, auditorium. And then, of course, next uh, Sunday, uh, this uh, next Sunday in the evening service, uh, we will be uh, having a a special uh, send-off service for our missionaries to uh, Japan, Brother Jack and Miss Lizzie uh, Parker. And so do be much in prayer for that, be here for that. And then, of course, we'll right after the service, we'll head over into the fellowship hall and uh, have some finger foods and things like that. So bring, please bring some finger foods. Certainly be aware of our uh, fellowship hall and kitchen uh, situation. Uh, there's not uh, any water over there, uh, but uh, anyways, just make sure that you're aware of those uh, things. But uh, I, I think that we can still uh, make it work uh, in that. And then, of course, don't forget about bring some gift cards and things like that. Just be a blessing to this family and excited uh, to see them uh, head out and uh, be much in prayer uh, for them. And then, of course, if you have kids in the school, uh, January the 16th, which is on a Monday, be no school. And then January the 17th, we are hosting uh, the volleyball and basketball games uh, against Heritage Baptist School. That'll be here uh, at our gymnasium, and that'll be at 6 o'clock in the evening. And then, of course, January the 21st is the uh, churchwide outreach Uh, And that'll be on Saturday uh, there at 1030 in the morning. And so if you can help us out with that, we would sure appreciate uh, that. And then also uh, any of our married couples interested in going in the uh, going to the Midwest uh, couples retreat. Again, that's February the 3rd and 4th on a Friday and Saturday uh, at the Doubletree Hotel there in Overland Park. The cost is $190 per couple. Uh, There's a sign up sheet in the outer foyer. So again, if any of our married couples want to go. Uh, certainly want to encourage you to go to be a blessing, but you do need to sign up by next uh, Sunday so that we can get you registered uh, to go uh, to that. Did just want to mention a few things uh, tonight uh, and, and certainly some things that we need to uh, be much in prayer for, but if we uh, could certainly pray for the uh, Clark family. Again, good to have Brother Clark here uh, tonight and with some of his family uh, once again, but Miss uh, Doris Clark went home to be with the Lord this past uh, week. And so this uh, next, uh, this coming Saturday, uh, January the 14th, I believe it is, uh, be 11 o'clock uh, memorial service at 11 o'clock in the morning. That'll be here at Faith Baptist Church. And then lunch will be provided for the family over in the fellowship hall afterwards. And so again, if anybody can help us out with our food as well as serving, make sure uh, to get with my wife and she'll get you uh, lined out on that. And then, of course, also don't forget about praying for the Dalsing family, uh, Brother Matt and Miss Shelby, and of course, baby Kinley. And did get a uh, text today that uh, her um, uh, jaundice test came back very good. And so they're all clear and just report to the pediatrician. So praise the Lord for that. But again, if you could help out with meals there, do see uh, Sister Anna uh, Quinlan. As we, uh, as we uh, tell you what, next time that we come up and, and do our offering, but just I think it'd be uh, good tonight, and I wanted to mention this, and I'm, I'm sorry I got distracted uh, with all the stuff going on uh, with uh, uh, just a moment ago, but uh, if we could also pray for Brother Donnie on uh, Miss Marilyn Carr. Uh, Brother Donnie uh, Carr texted during the service this morning. Uh, they got a call. His sister was not doing good, and so they were headed to Idaho. 
And I got a text this afternoon that she had went ahead and passed away. And so I did call him and, and talk with him. And so if you could pray for him and Miss Marilyn, they're continuing to travel there. And I just uh, had some complications from some pneumonia and things like that. So just a diff- difficult situation. And so let's pray for them. They're certainly uh, precious folks and, and certainly want the Lord's uh, hand on them as they're traveling and then as they minister to their family. I tell you what, let's pray for them right now, can we? And so, Brother Parker, would you stand and pray for the Carr family uh, tonight? Amen. Amen. I did just want to mention uh, one more thing. Uh, We need to take care of a little bit of business uh, tonight. Uh, As mentioned a moment ago, we're going to be heading to Oklahoma City to be at the Church Planners uh, Conference. Uh, If you've never been to this, it is a tremendous uh, blessing. And uh, I'm just telling you, the pioneering spirit of church planning is not dead. And uh, it, it is still... Uh, going on, people are going out and planting churches, and, and there are, unfortunately, there's a lot of people with the spirit of, we don't need any more churches. Yeah, we do. We need the right kind of churches, and so that's still uh, taking place, and one of the things I have always desired is that our church would have a part in that, and we have in the last several uh, years. Just to kind of give you an idea of our missions budget, we're, uh, I think at the end of November, uh, when we had our December meeting, we were around uh, $19,000 in our missions budget, and so praise the Lord for that. And so what I'd like to do uh, tonight is to bring it before the church that we could, uh, we could give away $5,000. Uh, to the uh, church planners conference and so now some of you might be going wait wait a minute that's too much well you need to get right all right but some of you might be going that we need to take more and that's that's the right thing but let's not also forget that we've got a couple that's going to be heading out of our church next week all right and so we want to just we want to be a blessing uh, to them as well and so uh, what what I'd like to do is to do 5,000 and so if you're willing to you know, let's, let's do that. Uh, would you lift up with your right hand and give out with a hearty amen? Uh, any opposed, uh, like sign, and so praise the Lord. And so let's be a blessing to these church. It, I'm telling you to break your heart um, to listen to these men get up and talk about where God's called them and to see people saved and where they're trying to meet, but yet their family needs things like dental care, homeschool material, just stuff like that, the sacrifices that they're making to be where God wants them to be. And boy, I'm telling you, if we can just help out with small things like that, what a blessing. And so what a, what a real blessing. And so sure thankful for that. All right, brother, come on here. If you would stand with me again, please. Let's turn to page 299. Page 299. Aren't you thankful when he said whosoever will and included anyone? That included you tonight. You ought to be thankful for that. Amen. Page 299. Let's sing it out on that first verse. I am so happy in Christ today that I go singing along my way. Yes, I'm so happy to know and say Jesus included me too. Jesus included me. Yes, he included 
me when the Lord said, Whosoever he included me, Jesus included me. Yes, he included me when the Lord said, Whosoever he included me, gladly I read, Whosoever may. Come to the fountain of life today. But when I read it, I always say, Jesus included me too. Jesus included me. Yes, he included me. When the Lord said, Whosoever he included me, Jesus included me. Yes, he included me when the Lord said, Whosoever he included me. Ever God's Spirit is saying, Come, hear the bridegroom sing longer roam. But I am sure while they're calling home, Jesus included me too. Jesus included me. Yes, he included me when the Lord said, Whosoever he included me, Jesus included me. Yes, he included me when the Lord said, Whosoever he included me. Freely come drink words, the soul to thrill. Oh, with what joy they my heart to fill. For when he said, whosoever will, Jesus included me too. Jesus included me. Yes, he included me. When the Lord said, whosoever, he included me. Jesus included me. Yes, he included me when the Lord said, Whosoever he included me. Amen. What a blessing that is tonight. Amen. It's been a great day in the Lord's house. Come ask Brother Micah Quinlan if you'd pray for the offerings tonight, please.
Stand with me, if you would, one last time. Let's turn to page 293. Page 293, since Jesus came into my heart. If he lives in your heart tonight, say amen. amen. Let's sing about it tonight. Page 293, verses 1, 3, and 5 together. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure Since Jesus came into my heart And no dark clouds of doubt now my pathway obscure Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Floods of joy o'er my soul, like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart. I shall go there to dwell, in that city I know, since Jesus came into my heart. And I'm happy, so happy, as onward I go, since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul, like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart. Amen. Great singing. You may be seated tonight. Just before the message, we're going to have a solo from Miss Lizzie Parker tonight. so earnestly their eyes are pleading longingly wondering where their next meal will be just trying to make it day to day as their life so quickly slips away with never a thought of their eternal destiny a world away how blessed we Someone in the world today, their only hope. 
song amen and uh convicting song as well amen and uh man i'm telling you i, I couldn't help but to think of second corinthians chapter eight and and paul dealing with the church at corinth and giving them the example of the churches in macedonia that gave of themselves first amen had so very little but yet gave of themselves and then gave uh tremendously and yet he's reminding the church at corinth that had so very much but wasn't giving anything and uh, boy, I'm telling you, let us not fall into that place, amen, uh, but to be a very giving uh, church. And, uh, but, I, but I understand this tonight, that missions isn't just about writing a check, amen. It's, you know, we say missions is the heartbeat of the church, and we think, well, that's about, you know, you know, write, you know sending faith promise and giving money and all that stuff. No, it's, it's not just that. We've got to win our own community. Because here's the thing, if we don't reach our own community and see people saved in this area, then Faith Baptist Church will eventually cease to exist. So I'm just telling you, we're a dead church. And, and so that's really the kind of the idea, if I could say it like this, that's kind of the idea of 1 Corinthians, all right? And uh, that's really where we're at uh, tonight. And so 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter number 14, and uh, of course, uh, we, we started this morning uh, looking at the very first half of our theme for this year, we, we, our theme is loving people and preaching Christ, and we saw, we saw the very first half of that, all right, uh, in chapter number 13 this morning. So tonight, uh, we're going to see the second half of that, preaching Christ, all right, and that's in chapter number 14. So let's all stand 
in honor of God's Word, if you're able uh, to stand. And, uh, and, and so we're going to pick up in, in chapter number 14. And again, don't, let's not forget, all right, this all really goes back to the end of chapter 12 where Paul said, I, I want to show you a more excellent uh, way, and uh, we're going to look at this uh, tonight, all right, chapter number 14. So here's what he says. He says in verse number 1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather, okay, now watch this, but rather that you may prophesy, now that's preaching, okay, and we're going to explain that here in just a moment. But then he goes on and he says this, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth, meaning preaches, he edifieth the church. Okay? And then notice in verse number 5, And I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye, may, that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. The idea is this. You don't have someone to interpret. You don't know what they're saying. They could be back there talking in German or Spanish or Italian. I mean, I'd probably pick up if he said lasagna. But you wouldn't know anything about what he's saying unless you had an interpreter. And so notice, he says this in verse 6, Now, brethren, if I come to you, coming to you speaking uh, with tongues, what shall, I, what, shall it, what shall I profit you, except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine, and even things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is pipe or harp? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye, be, uh, except, except ye uh, utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For he shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, I, if I know not uh, the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Now again, don't forget about it. I'm going to show you a more excellent way. It's the same thought there, tying into that. Uh, excel to the edifying of the church. Notice verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is fruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the the room, uh, the room of the unlearned say, Amen, at thy giving of thanks. Sing, he understandeth not what thou sayest. Now, isn't that Baptist right there? When everybody's, you know, when we have somebody lead in prayer, and then everybody says, Amen. Well, how do you know if they're just talking in Spanish or something like that? And you, he's over, Donde hasta el baño? Amen. What he's saying right there. 
All right. I'm just telling you, the Bible's still, somebody said one time, the Bible's not relevant. Son, you ain't read the Bible. It's right there. So look at verse 17. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with other tongues more than y'all, or speak with tongues more than y'all, yet in the church I'd rather speak five words by my understanding that my voice I might, by, that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. And the Lord is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will, and for yet all, and yet for all that will, that will, they will, they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? You people are crazy. Let's not give them any more excuses than what they already have to say those things. You know, somebody's talking in German and somebody's talking in Italian, somebody's talking in Spanish and somebody's talking in, you know, Russian or whatever the case may be and everybody's talking in different languages. Somebody walks in there, they'll be like, this is crazy. I'm just telling you. But look at what he says in verse 24 and 25 and we'll pray and be seated. But if all prophesy... And there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned. He is convinced of all, and he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. You know, I, I, I want to say this to you tonight. I said this to morning when we were looking at the subject of love. I, I believe we have love in this church. I believe that. But that doesn't mean we can't be challenged in it and grow in it. And I want to say to you tonight, I believe we have preaching in this church. But that, again, doesn't mean that we can't be challenged in it and grow in it. And by the way, I'm not just the only one that's supposed to be preaching the gospel. You are too. Father, would you help us tonight, Lord, as we look at the second half of our theme for this year and... And Lord, just so grateful that we could take a day all or take a day, Lord, out of our normal studies and just, and Lord, just kind of set it aside to preach on this theme this year. And, and just thankful, Lord, thankful for how you address the church at Corinth. And I pray that you'd once again address us tonight. Lord, help us to, Lord, help us to love you and help us to love one another. Help us to love those around us, Lord, and certainly love the lost and minister to them and try to reach them with the gospel. But, oh, great God, help us also, Lord, to preach the gospel. Lord, when we do love them, to give them, Lord, what they need, which is the gospel. Help us tonight, Lord. Help us to preach Christ as your people. And, Lord, help us to be challenged in these things tonight. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated tonight? Sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's word. <clears throat> I don't think I'm quite recovered from my nap, amen? I don't know what's going on. Brother Matt Dawson texted me and said, man, it's surreal having this baby girl. 
I said, yeah, I felt the same way when I got my Jeep. <laughs> oh, yeah, and when my kids were born. Amen. <laughs> Years ago, uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I got saved in 1996, and I, I surrendered to preach, and I think it was 2001 or 2002. I think it was July of 2002 when I surrendered to preach. And at that time, I was welding in a chemical plant there in Florida, and I uh, was a pipe welder, and I, I, I was very grateful. I worked with a couple of uh, really good uh, Christian men there. They were actually on another crew. I had a fitter that was a good Christian man as well. I was sure thankful for that. And, uh, but these other guys, they were actually twin brothers, and one was a pipe fitter and one was a pipe welder, and they were just really good guys and a real blessing to be around. And, and so we fellowshiped a lot. One of the guys uh, played golf, and so he and I ended up playing golf uh, quite a bit. And I never forget it was it was in the summertime there, and and uh, we were playing golf together. And him and his family had just taken a a little vacation. They were gone for about a week and a half or so, and had just come back. And so we got to playing, and I guess we got on the back nine and we're talking. And I just asked him, I said, "Hey, man, how did your vacation go?" And and he said, "You know, it went really good." And 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 he said he said uh, he, he said he said the only he said the only bad part of the trip was the church that we visited on Sunday. It was a Baptist church. And he began to tell me about the service and, and how it went. And he said it was, he said it started off really good. He said, man, we just, we sang songs for about 20 or 30 minutes and it was just a real blessing. And, and, and uh, he said, and, and he said, you know, when that was all said and done, he said, man, I was, I was ready for some preaching. And, and, and he said, the guy, the, the pastor got up, said he read a little text out of the scripture and he told a little uh, funny story, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't very long, it was just a very brief uh, story, and then he said a little prayer, and they dismissed. And it was like we were standing there, our family, and we, we were going, is that, is that it? We, we thought it was like, did we miss something? Was this like Sunday school, or, you, you know, or, or we, we didn't know what was going on. Y'all having dinner on the grounds and coming back for preaching, or what? I, I don't... Anyways, it was just very uh, confusing. He said this, and I'll never forget this. He said, you know, he said, looking back and thinking about it right now, he said, I don't even think that the name of Jesus Christ was ever mentioned. And folks, I, I want to say to you tonight <clears throat> that this, this kind of stuff, <coughs> excuse me, this kind of stuff isn't just going on in one place. <clears throat> it's, it's everywhere. <clears throat> I could sit here tonight and tell you story after story of, of, of people that have gone on vacation and, and, you know, and went on vacation and wanted to be a blessing and, 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 you know, and attend church while they were on vacation and go in and just experience something, something very similar to that or, or maybe something different where there wasn't very, you know, preaching or anything like that. And man, they come back home and they're just like, man, we're just, we're glad to be back home. And it's not because they had a great vacation, it's because of what they experienced in a so-called house of God. I, I always used to love it when I was pastoring in Cassville. That was kind of a, a vacation area with Roaring River uh, National Park there and a lot of trout fishermen and things like that. And then, of course, we were near uh, Table Rock Lake and, and Tanicomo and, and Shell Knob and all that down there. And so there were often times where we had people that were coming through and they were traveling through and they knew about... Bible Baptist Church, and they knew about our family, and so they would come by, 
And, and they would always stop by and be in the services and they would always express their appreciation and just, man, they'd say things like, man, this is like home away from home for us and just such a blessing and we're so thankful and things like that. And the reason they would say that is because partly they've experienced some of those things, but at the same time, they also understood that when you came to Bible Baptist Church, you were going to get the preaching of God's Word. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, it's getting harder and harder to find a church that truly loves one another and loves people, but also loves the Word of God enough to get a man of God to preach the Word of God and get behind him and say, preach it. And I'm just saying to you, friend, and by the way, and I've, I've experienced those things as well, having been the pastor here for now some five years, and people come through the Kansas City area, and they come into Faith Baptist Church, and I've seen people that have come here uh, since I've been the pastor and go, man, we're so thankful it hasn't changed. No, it's not going to change. Jesus hasn't changed. The Word of God hasn't changed. We're not going to change. And I've also had people come in and then go out, and, and some of our men will go and check on them and make sure they're okay. You know, and they'll, they'll, a lot of times you'll hear things like this. We had not heard preaching like that in a long time. That's sad. I mean, listen, I'm grateful that we've still got preaching here, but at the same time, that's a sad testimony for the lot of churches that are in this area that used to preach the Word of God and they no longer do. As mentioned this morning, friend, love and truth, they go together. If there is, listen to this, if there is truth without love, then no doubt truth will most likely be rejected, all right, because of that. But if there is love and no truth, then we have to come to the conclusion, especially from our study this morning, then it's not really love because love rejoices in truth. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. And the truth of the matter is, eventually, if it starts out with that agape love and then truth goes out the window, then eventually the agape love will cease to exist. Truth is the reason we are here tonight. You understand that, friend? A church without preaching ceases to be a true biblical New Testament church. It does, friend. It's what makes this assembly of people different from all other assemblies of people out in this world. Okay? If, 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 if there is no preaching of truth, then we become nothing more than a social club or a secular charity. And the fact of the matter is, that's where most of them are heading today. I remember uh, pastoring in Cassville, and I, listen, I'm not trying to be ugly or anything tonight, but I can remember uh, this was the direction that most of the churches in that city were going, including the Southern Baptist churches in town. In fact, most of them were heading, heading things up. And so here's the thing. Instead of people being busy about going out door to door, giving the gospel, loving on people, ministering to people, witnessing to people, giving their testimonies, they were busy building playgrounds and picking up trashes in the parks. And folks, I, listen, and while I'm not against serving our community, what my question was, was this, where is the message of the gospel in those things? And please, listen, and please don't, don't misunderstand any of this tonight. I'm not against having a food pantry. Come on, I'm, I'm not against that, all right? I am right now because our fellowship hall probably wouldn't be good for that right now, all right? But I'm not against that. And I listen, or, and I'm not against a church starting an orphanage. Man, I think of the doors in Mexico that we support 
And just seeing that great need with all those children that had been left behind by their families. Man, they started an orphanage. But here's the thing. It didn't become about the orphanage. It still stayed about the church. Because Jesus didn't die for an orphanage or a Bible college. He died for the church. And praise God, they kept preaching and they saw some of those kids get saved. They seen them called to preach. Now they're training them in the ministry and sending them out to where they came from to go back with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friend, I'm not against any of those things, but what I'm saying to you is this, is that those things must be kept in the right perspective, friend. What's the point? If we're not giving the gospel in all of these things, that's what people need. It's the gospel that's going to get them into eternity with Jesus Christ. And by the way, it's the gospel that will help them out right now. So what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that this message of the gospel and the preaching of God's Word, it needs to be at the very center of our church and at the very center of every ministry that we have in this church. You got a Sunday school class? Preach the Word. You got a bus ministry? Preach the Word. You got a nursery? Preach the Word. Preach them little kids. That'll scare them. But it doesn't, listen, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, preach the Word, man. Center it on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as you and I get into this passage tonight, I do want to kind of just explain some things so that we are clear. All right, so go back with me to verse number 1, and let's notice this, because he says, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. So notice this, obviously, again, this shows us the continuation of that more excellent way from chapter 12 and even into chapter 13 where we are to have that charity, that agape love that we saw this morning. And folks, let me again remind you, we are to love the Lord and we are to love one another and we are to love the lost, no doubt about it. But here in chapter 14, he says this, he says, but rather that you may also prophesy, and that's the idea of preaching God's Word, because that's what that word prophecy means, all right? And, and notice here, now, now let me just explain this. The word prophecy right here can have two different meanings depending on its context. Now, the first meaning is this, foretelling, okay? As in, as in telling, uh, being, you know, being able to tell uh, that something is going to happen in the future and then warn others. Now, most of the time when we say prophecy, that's what most of us think, to be able to tell you know, the future, to be able to foretell. But the other meaning of to prophesy is forth-telling. Okay? Now here, what that means is this, to take God's truth and foretell it. Preach it. Okay? And in this context, all right, you and I have to come to this conclusion that when he says prophesy right here, he is simply talking about preaching. Okay? Now, I say that because here's why. We saw in chapter 13 this morning, verses 8 through 10. So let's go back up to chapter 13 and look at verses 8 through 10. So he says in verse number 8, he says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall what? Fail. Okay? And then, of course, he goes on down, talks about tongue ceasing, knowledge vanishing away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part, all right, shall be done away. So he says right here, all right, prophecy shall fail. Okay? And, and so that, that, this is the idea of 
foretelling, all right? In other words, telling the future, all right? What, what he's saying is this, is that that type of prophesying is a temporary spiritual gift. It would eventually fade out once the Word of God was completed and canonized, all right? And so, thus we have that today, and, and when it ends with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen to me tonight. There are no new revelations. There's only the revelation. All right? And His name is Jesus Christ. So we don't have any more of that type of prophesying, that type of foretelling, all right? So, but here's the idea. If prophecies, all right, are prophesying that type of way shall cease in chapter 13, then why on earth, when we get into chapter 14, would Paul tell the church then, okay, okay, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy? Well, Paul, you just said they'll fail. Well, that's because here the meaning has changed. No longer is he talking about worrying about telling the future. Now he's talking about just take the book and preach it. Preach it. That's what he's talking about. Okay? And, and, and so he's telling them, all right, now watch this, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather, all right, but rather that you may prophesy. It's that more excellent way, isn't it? Isn't it? And he gives us some things to consider if we're going to do this, and I think that we should tonight. Come on, I think we should love people, and I think we should preach Christ. And, and so he begins to tell us some things here. Look at verse number 2. He says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I, I would that ye all spake with tongues. That would be great. But rather, notice this, but rather that ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Did you catch all that? So, so starting in verse 2, what Paul does, now watch this, he begins, to make, he begins to draw this comparison, okay, with preaching and then, of course, speaking tongues to show, to really to show the benefits of preaching. All right, now we know, now listen, we know if you were here in the morning message, and I realize not everybody was, there were people in the junior church and in church jail and things like that. All right, that's the nursery for those that don't know what church jail is. All right, so, so but let me just remind you, okay, from this morning's message, that the church at Corinth, it is the carnal church, we know that, all right, and in their carnality, they were seeking after the temporal gifts of, uh, or the temporal gift of tongues because of the attention of men. And we also know this, all right, that biblical tongues is not the foolishness of the charismatic movement in our day and time, all right? So we understand that, all right? It was known, listen, it was known languages. It just wasn't known by those who spoke it, but rather by those who were listening, all right? And you can go back, and I don't want to take the time tonight, but you can go back to Acts chapter 2. You can read on the day of Pentecost, all right? And it clearly says this, that every man heard that which, uh, that which was spoken in his own tongue, in his own language, all right? And you got to understand, these were Jews that were there for the day of Pentecost. They were from all over the then known world. They spoke a multitude of different languages. However, when the apostles came out and they were filled with the Spirit of God, they spoke in tongues, meaning this, that every person heard the gospel in their own language. 
Now I want you to think about that because really that right there shows us that that type, that type of biblical tongues, it was never meant to be the nonsense that it's turned into today. It was always meant to get the gospel to people. And by the way, you study it out in the scriptures, it didn't happen but about three times. And every time it happened, there were Jews present. Okay? And we'll explain that here in just a moment. But you've got to understand. Now grab a hold of this. And again, this kind of goes back to what I've already said. But to speak in tongues today would be the equivalent of me right now beginning to speak in Spanish, though I don't know any, and begin to say those things, or in French, or in German, or in Italian, or, or whatever language that you want to come up with tonight. And while that might sound fun or entertaining, all right, or maybe even weird, all right, the point that Paul is making is this, uh, the, that he's making in the contrast, it would still be true. Folks, if I started speaking tonight in Italian and preaching in Italian, do you know who would help? Unless you speak Italian, nobody. Right? All right? You, we would all be going, man, I don't, I've got the hankering for some lasagna. Or some spaghetti and meatball. Now I really do, amen. So. Nobody's going to understand it. And that's why Paul concludes with what he does in verse number 5. He says, I would, that you spake, I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. Listen to this. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret. And here's why. That the church may receive edifying. It's because preaching helps people. You understand? See, here's, here's what preaching does. And really, this is what he begins to do tonight. Is he, gives, gives, he, he tells them, you need, to, you, need to, you need to seek after preaching and, and prophesying. And, and he begins to show them the reasons as to why, the benefits uh, of it. And here's what he says. In verses 3 and 4 here, watch, watch what he says. he says. He says, in verse 3, he says, But he that prophesies speaketh unto men, look at this word, to edification. In fact, you see it again in verse number 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the who? The church. And even again there in verse 5, that the church may receive edifying. The word edification in verse 2, it literally means this. It means a building or a structure or a piece of architecture. And the word edifieth in verse 3 and on down, it's the idea of to build or construct. And so you and I have to conclude this, that the reason he's telling them to stay with preaching is because it edifies, and what it means to edify is to build up. Now please understand this, that does not mean to build up emotionally with positivity. This isn't a bunch of Joel Osteen nonsense. This is biblical preaching. And you understand what, no, 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 because here's the thing. This isn't meant for us tonight to be emotionally stimulated and to be built up in positivity. No, my friend, it's the idea of being built up spiritually to know what you believe and why you believe it so that you can withstand the things in life and serve God faithfully. That's what it means to be edified. That's what it means to be built up. In fact, you can go back, and I want you to catch this. You can go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and don't turn there for time's sake, but you can go back there in verses 9 through 11, and you will see where Paul begins to compare the church to a building, and he lays it out and says this clearly, that the foundation is Jesus Christ. 
The fact you cannot have any other foundation in your life. If you have something else as your foundation, you don't have a foundation. There's only one foundation and His name is Jesus Christ. But once that has been laid in your life and in mine, meaning this, we've received Him as our Savior, we now have the responsibility to build on that foundation, to grow spiritually in our life. And guess what helps us with that? Preaching the Word of God. Preaching the Word of God. You ever thought about this? Man, if you've got a foundation laying out there and you ain't got nothing built on it and it's just sitting there, this is what I would say, that's a waste. We, man, we used to, try, we, we used to drive uh, from Cassville and go over to Branson uh, when, we were, when we lived in Cassville. <laughs> and it was about, it was, from Cassville to Branson, it was like 20 minutes, you know, as the crow flies. But it was an hour and a half on the highways because you went like this all through this. It was like, why do you want to go to Silver Dollar City? We could just hold our hands up on the hills. Son, I mean, people are like, pull over, Dad. Car sick. I mean, it was awful. You get there, and I never forget. We always used to come in on the west side of Branson, and you're driving on the west side, and there was this, there was this place, and it was a big write-up in the paper about all this stuff that happened. But what it was was there was this. You, you looked off to the right there on, and I believe it was 76 West on the west in West Branson, and you could look off to the right side as you're driving in. And you saw this nice drive that went down uh, into this little valley there. And you saw all of these, you know, these gigantic luxury homes. And they were just, they, they, had, they had the foundations laid. Uh, some of them had, you know, the walls up and, and just had plywood on them. And uh, some of them had like, a, you know, a walls, some walls and maybe the trusses and part of the roof and stuff like that. And they, had, they were just sitting there and they were rotting. Because what happened was the contractor started building all of them and he ran out of money and he couldn't get any buyers and things like that. And so he just basically, he just lost out and filed bankruptcy and it was it's just sitting there and it was just rotting. And every time I would drive by and my kids, know, I would look over and I'd go, man, what a, what a waste. You know why I said that? Because they got, they got that foundation laid and they ain't done nothing with it. They can't do anything with it. Now, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be ugly tonight or anything like that, but I, I'm just saying to you, it, that's, the truth of the matter is that could be said for a lot of God's people in our day and time. That's right. That they've got, they've got the foundation laid in Jesus Christ, but they've not built anything on it. And, and, and maybe it's because they're hard and right with the things of God. Maybe tonight, man, you need to get your heart right and, and listen and, and start being accepting of the preaching of God's Word and the instruction that comes from God's Word. Let God touch your heart and touch your life and submit yourself to it. But I, listen, there's a lot of people, well, I'm just not going to listen to anything that he says. And, and listen, you're, you're just wasting. You're wasting away. Listen, whatever you, you need to get, you need to get things right with, with God. And you need to get things right with the pastor. Whatever you need to do. But you need to stop wasting things, friend. Don't, don't, don't turn away from God's truth. God's trying to help you. He's trying to build you up and help you so that you can serve God and be faithful in the things of God. Have the joy of the Lord in your life. In the blessings of God. Doesn't mean life's going to be perfect, but boy, you can sure have the blessings of God. You know, this is what I thought about, too, is you can, you know, you can have a foundation and, 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 and you can, you know, you, you have a foundation and you got no walls and, and things like that. L- listen, it's a foundation without any building. It also leaves us vulnerable to the winds. The winds of false doctrine. 
Son, that wind in Kansas will blow, won't it? I'm so thankful I can be sitting, a lot of times I can be sitting in my living room. And I can hear, you know, I got the chimney flue open because we use the fireplace every now and then right now. Well, that's cool. And boy, you can just hear that wind out there just going across that chimney flue and it's blowing. And I'm sitting there in my nice warm living room and I'm shielded from the wind and I ain't got to worry about those things. It's nice and calm on the inside. When it comes to false doctrine, you need to listen to this tonight. There is much wind. There is much wind. Everybody's got a YouTube channel now. Everybody's got a website. Everybody's got a podcast. Whatever. I ain't got time for no podcast. Stop it. Everybody's got all... Listen, you, you understand, if you're not willing to grow in the Word of God and learn what you believe and why you believe it, please listen to the night, this tonight. You are vulnerable to false doctrine. You're vulnerable to it. And by the way, you will be blown all over the place. You will be. I heard a, I heard a statistic one time that said almost 90% of Jehovah Witnesses used to be Baptists. And I don't, listen, I don't know if, that, if that's actually true. I, I would venture to say it's probably pretty high up there because, you know, it's, it's, it, doesn't, it wouldn't shock me if it was pretty high up there because you, you start talking to a lot of Baptists. And I, I mean, even independent Baptists that are in churches like ours, and a lot of them don't even know what they believe and why they believe it. And I'm thinking, what in the world? So I'm telling you, we need to know. Listen, you, you understand, friend, this, this spiritual warfare and, and having to be grounded in the truth, this isn't just for the preacher. This is for every one of us tonight. Because every one of us are going to be facing these things and dealing with these things and having false doctrine coming at us, and you need to know why, what you believe and why you believe it. Otherwise, you're going to be knocked right over in these things. Man, you look at the stuff that goes on, on in social media today, and all the nonsense there. Friend, learn what you believe and why you believe it, and get away from those things and grow in the grace of God. And here's the thing, it is preaching that helps you with that. Oh, I, I like verse number 3 too. Look at what else he says. He says this, he says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification. But then he goes on and says this, And exhortation and comfort. And exhortation means this, To encourage or embolden. Mm, we ought to leave church like we're ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. Amen. It goes right along though with the word comfort because it's the same idea. It's comforting. It's encouraging. And one of the heartbreaking things, listen to this, one of the heartbreaking things in ministry is to know that God's people are struggling with discouragement and depression, but yet do you know one of the first things to go out the window is this, church attendance. It's like God's giving you the medicine and you're saying, I don't want to take the pill. There's a reason why our Wednesday night services are called the Oasis in the Desert. It's because they exhort and comfort in a world that's so wicked and dark. It's one of the, it's one of the often reasons why I need to go to preachers' meetings. Well, why? So I can hear preaching and I can be exhorted and I can be challenged and I can be convicted and helped. Amen. You're not the only one that needs preaching. I need it too. And I listen, and it, isn't, it, isn't it strange how preaching works? I mean, really, it, when you think about it, it is. I, 
I think it's why Paul said in chapter 1 of Corinthians that it's the foolishness of preaching, isn't it? Because it is, but it is strange that, you, you know, you're the only one on the job that, that might believe the way that you believe. If you're, you know, you work a secular job tonight, and then you go home and you watch the news and things just even, get even worse. You know, you, I, you're just not going to be encouraged by watching the news. But then, listen, but here's the thing. But then you come to God's house and you hear the man of God boldly proclaim the truth of God's Word. And it, listen, it does something for your soul. It does for me. It exhorts you. It encourages you. It comforts you. Listen, it brings peace to the mind that, you know what? God is still in control. And you walk out of this place ready to go out and fight the fight once again. That, that's, listen, that's why Paul is writing this church and he's saying, let me show you a more excellent way. Instead of you guys being so inwardly focused and wrapped up on these things that are going to be temporary, why don't you learn to love one another, to love those that are coming in the doors, and then why don't you preach the Word of God? Because that's what you need, friend. That's what's going to help you. That's what's going to edify you and build you up and encourage you and comfort you. In fact, he goes on down in verses 6 through 20. And so after giving the reasons and benefits of preaching, Paul continues with really some help. It's kind of like saying this, if preaching is this important, and it is, well then let's make it the best we can. Let's refine it, all right? Let's make it the best that we can. And he gives us some more contrast to help us. And these are the things that I would conclude from this. Look at verses 6 and 7. He says, now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And even things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they, be, uh, they, they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is pipe or harp? Or harp? I, this is what I would say he's saying right here. If you're going to preach, and you should, then you need to understand this. Preaching needs to have substance with it. Amen. See, even, even if Paul said, even if I came speaking in tongues, what good would I do if, if it didn't have a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or doctrine? The idea here is this, is that tongues wouldn't do anyone any good if it, if it didn't have some spiritual substance. So here's the thing. How much more does preaching need these things? That's, that's the thought. And whether you realize it or not, li listen to this, not, not all preaching is sound biblical preaching. It's just the truth of the matter. There's a difference between preaching and then preaching the Word. There's a difference. Amen? And preaching that will actually help people build their lives on God's Word. It must contain doctrine. Somebody say Amen. Listen, how, how are folks to learn what they, or what they believe if they're not taught doctrine out of the, out of the Bible? I, I, I would venture, you know, I've been here five years and I throw things out there like the definition of a church. And I'd venture, I could go around here tonight and probably, probably more than 50% of these people that are in here tonight could tell me what a church is by what I give the definition. It's a local visible assembly of baptized believers constituted together to carry out the Great Commission. And some of you are like, yeah, I know that. Some of you are like, oh, I remember that. I didn't know we were having a test, though, so I'll work on that. 
Because it's not some universal invisible nonsense. But here's the thing. Because preaching is to have doctrine, then don't you think that the source then must be the Word of God? <laughs> I remember when my first my pastor, uh, Pastor Iris and Natalie's grandpa used to say, I'm not, I'm not preaching out of a Sears Roebuck catalog. I'd say that tonight and only half the crowd would go, oh yeah, I know what the... And my husband's like, what? What a Sears? What is Roebuck catalog? What is a catalog? Now you'd have to say, I'm not preaching off a Sears website. On my iPad. You know, it's got to be in the Word of God. You, do you know this? That's why, that's why I love expository preaching. I never forget when Brother Lawrence Settles came here and him and his family moved to Oklahoma now, uh, to um, Edmond, Oklahoma. But I, I remember he, he looked at me and he said, Preacher, he said, I believe expository preaching is the best use of your time. I said, I believe you're right. You, you understand what expository preaching is, where we just take a book of the Bible and we go through it verse by verse, seeing what it says in its historical, grammatical, uh, literal context. I'll guarantee you some of the stuff I preached this morning out of 1 Corinthians 13, there were people here that probably never heard stuff like that because we just went verse by verse and saw it in all of its context all the way back from chapter 12. We're going through chapter 14. There's people that have read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and scratched their head when they got through with it. Now we're going through it verse by verse and you're getting it now. I love that. You see what it says. And here's the other thing. You can't skip the hard stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of a bummer, but... You know. I'm just, you know, you can't. And, and here's the other thing, and this is what else I like. No one can claim that I'm aiming my messages at them. Well, you were just, you, you picked that out and aimed at me today. No, that's just where we were. And this is what, this is what Pastor Ireson used to say. If it steps on your toes, then get them out of the way. <laughs> that's good old-fashioned preaching right there, Amen. Expository means to expose. And, and we are exposing the Scripture and seeing what it means. And when I was training for the ministry at Berean Baptist Church, this is what made me fall in love with that church and the preaching of God's Word. I, I, and I've told this story, I don't know how many times, but listen, I, I can remember going to Berean. And I knew some of what I believed, where I stood and things like that, and I was training for the ministry. But I loved it when I would just be sitting. We would be sitting on the pew, almost about where we are now. And, and, but on the, you know, they had three sections or whatever, but we were still on the far uh, left side of the pulpit. I don't know why we're always on the left. We need to get on the right. Amen. We, need. we were always over here. And I, and I would be sitting right next to Natalie, and Pastor Abels would pull his Bible out, and he'd go, all right, here's what we believe. And he'd say it, and I'd be like, yeah, man, I, Amen. And then he'd go, now take your Bible and turn here. And he'd read a verse and he'd say, that's why we believe what we believe. Amen. And I can remember sitting in the pew and looking at Natalie going, did you see that? That was awesome. I'd be going home at night going, that was awesome. Did you see that? Yes, honey, leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. And I, I loved it. You know why? Because I was getting grounded. I was getting edified. I was getting exhorted. I was getting comforted. I was getting help from the preaching of God's Word, and it was expository preaching. Listen, it makes me nervous when a guy gets up and talks for about 15 or 20 minutes and he ain't read a text out of the Bible yet. Son, have a source. Here's what Paul told Timothy, preach the Word. He didn't just say preach, he said preach the Word. 
Because it ain't about what you and I have to say or what some story we got to tell. It's about what the Bible says. Get in the book, friend, and expose the Scriptures. And here's the other thing. Look at verse number 7. He says, And even things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, uh, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? And I believe what he's really saying here is this, is that doctrine and biblical preaching, it is life-giving. And Paul is dealing with tongues and comparing sounds. And notice that he says, things without life-giving sounds like harp or, or pipe. So if they have no life-giving sound, then we must conclude that preaching with doctrine does have life-giving sound. And I found this to be true in my own life. Learning the Bible and what you believe helps you build a life around Jesus Christ. It helps you build a life that pleases God and where He blesses it. And it's not perfect, friend, but God blesses. And folks, how can we know what pleases God if we don't get in the Word of God? Well, you know, preacher, I watched this movie. Stop it. It's life-giving. Preaching. But couldn't we also make an application to our own witnessing? Because it too needs to be sourced in doctrine and the Bible. Please listen to me. Folks, we can no longer be vague or politically correct. Hello? We need to get back to having the boldness of the Spirit and giving people the gospel from the Bible. Hey, why is it that you do what you do? Hey, come here, let me show you the Scriptures. Look at what God says. Not what I have to say, what God has to say. This is what else I like. And he goes on down. I don't want to read the entirety of verses 8 through 20 again just for time's sake. But look at verse number 8. He says... For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise, except ye utter by tongue words easy to be understood, how shall, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. And he goes on and talks about many kinds of voices out in the world. All right, Obviously, none of them without signification. All the languages, their words mean something. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian. He that speaks to me like that is going to be a barbarian to me. Look at verse 12. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that, ye, that he may interpret. For if I, again, and he goes on and explains, if I pray in an unknown tongue, nobody's going to know what I said. All right? What, notice verse 15, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, I will pray with understanding also. He's going to sing with the Spirit, sing with understanding also. Verse 16, else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall they that occupy the room of the unlearned say amen at the giving of thanks? Look verse 17, for thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than y'all. Yet in the church I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that, my vo that, that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 with words in an unknown tongue. And he ends it with, brethren, be not, be not children understanding. In malice be children, but not understanding. Understanding be men. And again, Paul is comparing tongues with preaching and even using musical sounds as, as an illustration. Musical sounds have a purpose. And if not clearly played, their purpose is missed. You got a kid over here banging on the piano, 
Bling, 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 bling. You ain't going to know what he played. Because he really didn't play anything. He didn't know what he was doing. It makes no sense. And Paul is saying it's the same with tongues. Tongues cannot be understood unless you know the language or you have an interpreter. If you pray in tongues, how, how can anyone say amen when you're done? It's like people who pray quietly in the service. You call on a guy to pray, and he goes, Lord, thank you very much. You got to wait for somebody next to him that can actually hear him that says, Amen. And everybody else, Oh, Amen. Men pray, pray loud. Amen. Pray like a man. Well, what he's saying here is this, is that preaching, listen, it, it's, it needs to have substance, but watch this. It needs to be easy to understand. Folks, this is, you know, you got guys today that want to try to take the knowledge of the Bible. It's almost like the, you know, the, the book of Colossians that deals with the, um, oh, I can't remember, the Gnostics. You know, and they, they just, they want to try to have this exalted knowledge above everybody else's head to exalt themselves in spirituality. That was never the intention of the Word of God. That was never the intention. Preaching should be this way. It should be under, uh, easy to understand. And, and by the way, yes, I've seen men of God have a Bible and try to preach, yet it makes no sense whatsoever. And there are a multitude of reasons for that. Sometimes it's because they're trying to fit a text into an illustration instead of the other way around. Well, I got this. L- listen, let me help you with this tonight. Nobody cares. Listen, nobody needs your story. They need this story. This is the most important thing. If the illustration doesn't fit in there, then throw it out. Stay with the Bible. Stay with the substance. Stay with, with the Word of God. But I'll tell you the big reason why in our day and time, and here's why. It's because most guys lack preparation. Guys try to wing it in the things of God. I'm going to tell you something, friend. We're not going to wing it in the things of God in Faith Baptist Church. You try to wing it here, you ain't going to last long. All right? We're not going to wing it with the music. We're not going to wing it in the teen department. We're not going to wing it when you get up here and preach the Word of God. You better be ready and you better be prepared. Don't get up here with a note card with three points and a poem and go, yep, I'm good. You're not ready. Friend, you need, to, you need to be prepared. And you need, 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 need to be ready. I'm telling you, that. Look at, this, look at this tonight. Look at This is called preparation right here. This is writing out everything that you're going to say. That's preparation. That's getting ready. And I, listen, I, and I am so tired of guys getting in the pulpit and they're not prepared and they're not prayed up and they've not spent time in the Word and planned out what they're going to say. Friend, get in the book and study it and pray and then when you get up here, expose the Word of God and make it applicable to the lives of God's people and let God speak. And just make it simple and clear. I love, again, I love what Natalie's grandpa used to say. Just put the cookie jar down where everybody can get in their hand in the cookie jar. Get some sweet out of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a double chocolate chip right now. Here's something else to think about. Something else that confuses the message is when we say one thing, yet we do the opposite in our personal life. Be careful that when you preach and you witness to others, whether publicly or personally in your life, that your life backs up what you're talking about. 
Now let me give you the last thing here. Look at verse 21 and through 25 here, and we'll finish up. He says, And the law it is written, when, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. And yet for all that will, they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign to them that believe, but to them that believe not, but pro, wherefore, excuse me, wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. For prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? If all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, and he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. This is really what I would call the results of preaching. But it kind of starts out like this. It kind of starts out, instead of the tale of two cities, it's the tale of two church services. One with tongues and one with preaching. And in verses 21 and 22, don't be confused here. Tongues was a sign to them that believed not. And what he's talking about is the Jews, which is why he quotes Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12. And again, and I mentioned this earlier, but if you look through the book of Acts, I believe there's only three, maybe four instances where tongues were spoken. And when they were, it was always a Jew that done it and Jews were present. Well, why? Why is that? Well, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 1, it'll tell you this, that Jews seek after a sign. And biblical tongues was a validation that the gospel is indeed God's message. However, the church at Corinth was a Gentile church in a Gentile city. Therefore, in verse 23, if someone came in and they heard all this chaos that was going on in this church and people fighting over tongues and talking in different languages... They would come in, listen, they, it wouldn't help them at all, and they would come in and think, these people are crazy. And they would leave lost and without any spiritual help whatsoever. Alright, so, so here's the thing. But in verses 24 and 25, if there is preaching, the Holy Ghost of God can take the Word of God and deal with the hearts of men. And then when the invitation is given... And hopefully they will come forward and receive Christ as Savior, worship God, and the bottom line is this, this is why we need love, and this is why we need preaching. Well, why? So we can present our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but at the same time also demonstrate its truth in how we serve and minister to them. Now let me point something else out to you. Look at the end of verse number 25, and we'll finish up here. It says, And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Do you know what he's saying here is this, is that when it comes to preaching, it's not just the preacher that's to be involved in it. It's the whole church. He's not talking about the guy's going to get in and go, you know, preacher, God's in you. He's talking about getting up and going, God's in this church. That's what he's talking about. 
Is everybody catching it? Now, let me just point out something. That's why it's so important not to be sleeping in church. Now, and I, I, listen, I, I realize there are guys that work a lot of hours here. There are guys that work night shifts and things like that and people and all that. And I listen, and I understand, and I believe the Lord uh, understands that. But at the same time, I know this, not everybody's working the night shift. A lot of people just staying up too late on Saturday night watching God knows what or doing God knows what. And let me, let me just, I want, you to, I, want to, I want you to think about this. There are people around you watching you. And what kind of message does that send to them when it comes to the preaching of God's Word? Hello? This is also why it's so important to keep a right spirit in the service. What kind of testimony are we sending when we develop some attitude because the message goes a little past 30 minutes and it didn't make your time limit? I think we need to be careful about putting God in a little box and saying, you got till noon. I think we need to be careful about, well, you know, preacher, you need to understand the restaurants are going to start filling up. Well, what's more important, your food or spiritual food? I think we need to be careful about putting God into a little box. Now, I'm not saying we need to sit up here and hem haul around and waste time, but at the same time, if there's still preaching to be done, let's preach. And let's let God move and let's let God work. And, I, and I, again, I, I realize there are other ministries in this church. There are bus ministries, things like that, that we need to be aware of. But at the same time, God is God. And it's not about, it's not about meeting, with, you know, it's about meeting with Him and, and Him meeting with us. It's not about Him keeping our schedule. And, and also, here's the other thing. That's why it's so important for us to be involved in the message. Hey, it's okay to say Amen. It's like what he says right here. It's okay to say that because here's the thing. I'm not up here giving a college lecture. I'm preaching. This is a conversation. All right? Where where the man of God gives us spiritual truth and the people of God are to acknowledge that spiritual truth and the way that you acknowledge it is by going, Amen. That means this. So be it. That's right. I agree. All right, and even if you're like, well, listen, I'm in Kansas and we don't do that. Well, at least you can give a, 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 a smile and a nod. Something. Help me out. Don't do the poker face. But couldn't we also say this? That has a tremendous impact on those around us. Because here's why. Watch this. Because when people come in this place, they've never been in a church or they've never heard the preaching of God's Word and they see all of God's people responding like this, doesn't that say to them that it's not just the guy in the pulpit that believes these things, it's the people in this building that believe these things. They're going to say, man, there's not just one crazy guy. I'm surrounded by him. <laughs> you know, it's also okay to come to an altar from time to time when God speaks. You know, it drives me nuts when we go to youth camp. Madison or Emily was asking me this day, we going to camp this year? Well, yeah. She's already ready for camp. I'm like, it's January. Girl, settle down. It always drives me nuts. So we go to camp, and man, you'll just hear the message just right off the bat. And none of our teens will respond. And you got to go back to the teens and go, all right, what's going on, guys? Get with it. If God speaks, respond. And then the next service, they all go to the altar, and you're sitting there going, okay, did they go to the altar because I told them to go to the altar, or did they go because God spoke? And folks, listen, 
It shouldn't be that we have to coerce young people to do that. But what I'm afraid is this, is that the reason we're in that situation is because we got a lot of adults that refuse to respond to the Word of God. Folks, there is nothing wrong with when God moves in this place and speaks to your heart and mine. It is okay to find a spot on an old-fashioned altar and get humble before God and seek His face. It's okay to do that. Well, what, 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 what about so? What about what about them? Or what about who cares? If God spoke to you, give Him the courtesy to speak back. Well, preacher, you know I'll I'll just wait till I get home. You and I both know you ain't gonna do it when you get home. You're gonna forget about it. So stop it and stop making the excuses and respond to the things of God. And don't sit here like, well, you know, he's just trying to get people to come to the altar. No, 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 no. You come if God speaks. Don't worry about what I said or what I think or anybody else. You let God move and work in your heart. But I, I'm just saying to you tonight, I don't think it should be that God's people sit back and never come to the altar or think it's terrible if you do come to the altar. I think we should respond from time to time. kind of makes me nervous when, you don't, when you've never responded. But here's the point in all of this, okay? And I'm through. I'm done. Maybe. I, I don't want people to come into Faith Baptist Church and go, man, God sure is in that preacher. I mean, that's, that's wonderful. But I would much rather hear them say, person, God's in this place. God's in that preacher, but God's in these people. But folks, that's, n- none of this is going to happen if we don't do these two things right here. If we love people and we get our attitudes straightened around on preaching, whether it be here in this church publicly or doing it in our personal lives with our family and our coworkers and our loved ones, neighbors, let's all stand tonight.